I'm Becky Quick of CNBC and your host of The Forum. I'll be guiding you through exclusive conversations among some of the world's global leaders, conversations previously held behind club doors. The Economic Club of New York serves as the premier forum for nonpartisan discussion dedicated to connecting the world's brightest minds with preeminent public and private sector leaders. A nonprofit 501c3, the club is a 115-year-old platform for the conversations that help shape the future of our world. The Economic Club of New York, brightest minds, critical conversations, catalyst for innovation. Today, we hear from some of the world's most recognized economic leaders on one of the most critical questions of them all, the question of capitalism. We will hear several very different takes on capitalism's strengths and pitfalls and potential solutions. But first, let's start with the fundamentals. What is capitalism? We begin with Roger Ferguson, the 17th vice chairman of the Federal Reserve System and a distinguished economist. So let me start with what we all understand about what this thing is that we call capitalism. Uh, At its core, it clearly involves the private ownership of most property and business enterprises um, that are then operated on a for-profit basis in the interest of their owners. Um, So that's obviously sort of the essence of capitalism as we understand it. It accepts that private ownership is protected by laws and that the owners of capital invest that capital primarily for private gain. And additionally, I'd say adherents of the capitalist system generally believe that forces of supply and demand should determine prices, and those prices determined through forces of supply and demand should serve the best interests of society. And similarly, I'd say in a capitalist system, we all believe that the forces of competition with businesses rising and then also necessarily being destroyed or going out of business I thought to enhance both uh, short-term private welfare and also long-term societal welfare. Uh, And then finally, those of us who believe in capitalism believe uh, in the very important of the freedom of choice for all economic activities, actors, when it comes to uh, everything, consumption, uh, investment, production, et cetera. Let's start with the good news. Ferguson outlines how capitalism has historically benefited society. He immediately follows with the undeniable problems that capitalism has created. So what can we say in the results of this big trend where almost all economic societies and literally billions of people lived under a version of this thing uh, called capitalism? Well, it's well understood um, that literally hundreds of millions of people in various parts of the globe came out of abject poverty into something that might be described as roughly a middle-class income. Uh, and lifestyle in many of the societies that we've talked about, China being most famous, but India as well. We've also seen the rise of some major global companies that have changed the way we deal with fundamentals of things such as information. Uh, so think of, uh, of, of Microsoft, think of, of Apple, think of, uh, of Google. Uh, these have all literally, with, and they're all literally about 20 or 30 years old, um, and they've transformed the way the world uh, lives. And life expectancies until recently have been generally rising uh, almost everywhere. So one would look at this period of global capitalism and say, well, you know, not well, not, not badly done. There are a lot of positive things to say about that. At the same time, critics also point out uh, some major failures. Uh, so most notably, uh, late 20th century capitalisms have contributed to a dramatic increase in income and wealth uh, inequality. Um, within the United States alone, 
uh, we have seen that so-called middle income uh, has maintained basically a stagnant income level in real terms since roughly 1974, 1975, certainly since the 1980s. At the same time, those of us who are fortunate enough to be in the upper income areas have seen that our incomes have grown roughly at 6% uh, compounded annually since really 1980. Wealth income, uh, both wealth and equality, both here and around the world is much more uh, starkly uh, divided as well. Uh, some economists and other observers point out that some of the major challenges in this world of externalities that I talked about have become much worse uh, of, of late. So thinking about climate change or the loss of biodiversity, and many people would argue that's a failure of capitalism as we've dealt with it in the last 30 plus years that we haven't really confronted uh, those issues. From a similar position of nuanced optimism, Brian Moynihan, the chairman and CEO of Bank of America, summarizes the concerns about capitalism. I do acknowledge the concerns that are out there. The current concern around equal access to opportunity to participate in capitalism. The concern whether companies are sharing profits or paying people equitably. The concern and debate around priorities of capital return. Discussion of whether the issues of climate change are getting away from our society and the concern of what will happen to today's workers as we continue the path of the fourth industrial revolution. The consistent discussion also of responsible impact or ESG investing. And last, the discussion about responsible self-governance by companies. Considering these critical concerns, capitalism has no shortage of critics, both among economists and the public. Ferguson cites economists in the opposing camp. And then there are other voices in economics, uh, Anne Case and Sir Angus Deaton, in their book, The Deaths of Despair and the Future of Capitalism, argue that capitalism in its current form is literally destroying the lives of many working class people. I don't necessarily subscribe to that, but a typical quote from their book, quote, over the past two decades, the period I'm talking about, death of despair from suicide, drug overdose, and alcoholism have risen dramatically and now claims hundreds of thousands of American lives each year. So while we look back and say capitalism has brought literally hundreds of millions of people out of poverty, there are clearly some areas in which capitalism uh, is thought to have failed and in some cases failed miserably. He goes on to reference the 2022 Edelman Trust Barometer, evidence of the declining public faith in many of our systems. And in the 2022 version, one recently, most recently released, a full 52% of respondents agreed with the following statement, quote, capitalism as it exists today does more harm than good in the world. So 52% of these respondents thinks that the capitalism that we have experienced since the end uh, of, of the Berlin Wall it does more harm uh, than good. The Edelman Trust Survey shows that only 51% of all respondents around the world expect their families to be better off five years from now than they are now. But interestingly and depressingly, in the most advanced economies, that number that agreed with that statement ranged from 15% of Japan. In Japan, so only 15% thought their families would be better off uh, five years from now than today. Uh, and only 43% in Singapore felt that. Here in the United States, 40% of the respondents felt that their families would be off five years from now than they are today. Um, and, and that in the U.S. has declined from about 43% in 2020 
46% thought that things would be better for their families five years hence than now. That was back in 2021. And you have to go back to 2019 to see it break even roughly at 50-50, where about half thought my family would be better off and half thought that would not be the case. Um, and so clearly, you know, capitalism, if one list, listens and believes this trust barometer, um, has lost adherence uh, almost around the world. The last time they asked the following question in 2020, 18% answered yes to the question, the system is working for me, while 48% said no, the system is failing me. Would you like to be part of the conversation at the Economic Club of New York? Learn more about membership, the New York City and National Fellows programs, and other opportunities for engagement in the club at www.econclubny.org. After recapping the critical concerns created by our capitalist system, ranging from inequality to climate change, citing the criticism of other economists and examining the declining public opinion, Ferguson continues with a statement declaring capitalism in crisis. So clearly, I say here in the halls of the Economic Club of New York that we are confronting a crisis in the global capitalism system that has prevailed for the last 30 plus years. It seems to me the question of the future of capitalism is squarely on the table. Paul Jagot, the Pulitzer Prize winning commentator and editor of the editorial pages of the Wall Street Journal, takes a different view on the rising anxiety that's reflected in polls like the Edelman Trust Barometer. Jago says that rising anxiety is just a predictable symptom of success rather than evidence of crisis. He reflects on this paradox of prosperity in an address that he gave to the club celebrating its centennial year back in 2007 with a message that is still relevant today. According to the opinion polls, Americans are nervous about the present and fearful about the future. Instead of celebrating the fact that more Americans are getting richer, we fret about inequality and talk about raising taxes to redistribute income. Instead of seeing China's growth as vindication of our own free market system, we see a threat and we talk about tariffs and challenging China. The great Austrian economist Joseph Schumpeter described it as the paradox of prosperity, by which he meant that capitalism creates great new wealth, but it does so through innovation and disruptive change which in turn creates anxiety and a reaction against the policies and the beliefs that create wealth. He called this creative destruction. I don't have any grand solution for this prosperity paradox. There really isn't one. The point is to recognize that, however, that our current anxieties are not unprecedented and that they are the consequence not so much of our failure but in large part because of our success. Schumpeter himself was a pessimist. He predicted that capitalism would not survive the disquiet and hostile intellectual class that it created. I also once asked Vermont Royster, another former Wall Street Journal editor, if he was an optimist. And Royster replied that he was a short-term pessimist, but a long-term optimist, as long as you define the long-term as a couple of hundred years. He was a crusty fellow, Roy. But I think the final decades of the 20th century have proved that Schumpeter was wrong, at least about America. Starting in the 1980s, America experienced a capitalist revival that rebuilt the United States, its strength and confidence, broke the back of Soviet communism, inspired the Chinese to embrace the global economy, and has even, perhaps most miraculous of all, caused the Europeans to reconsider their welfare states. 
Yes, our current challenges are different and they are often daunting, but the worst mistake we could make would be to lose confidence in our own economic model of low taxes, free trade, free movement of capital and people, and especially in American global leadership. Just when the rest of the world is emulating us more than it has for decades, and just when the world really is desperate for that leadership, even when they disagree with us on this or that issue, they want our leadership. Ferguson does share much of this optimism in capitalism. While he validates the current challenges as critical ones, he echoes the idea that the crisis is not an unprecedented one. But I would say as a voice of optimism, if one thinks about economic history, we point out this is not the first time that capitalism uh, has been uh, under threat. And we've seen in the past, uh, with the help of government intervention in the form of new rules, new regulations, even new markets, um, that uh, capitalism can, in fact, right itself. And here I'm thinking primarily the progressive era um, in our own history that featured rules on things such as work conditions and child labor and working hours. All of that helped to create uh, and extend the life of capitalism. Part of Ferguson's optimism is intervention. With intervention, he says, we can create a more equitable capitalism. So what does the future look like? What role can the business community play in creating a more equitable and sustainable capitalism? He identifies three key trends among business leaders with the potential to revive trust. So what are some of those trends? Um, First, we have the emergence of a broadly defined uh, and accepted concept of uh, shareholder activism that coming from asset managers uh, and asset owners. Uh, That group of asset managers and asset owners, mainly um, pension funds such as TIA, the company I had the privilege of leading, foundations, endowments, but more recently index funds and other passive investors, they all recognize that they are unlikely to be willing to sell their shares in major uh, corporations in the U.S. and around the world. So they've taken on a more activist role of engaging uh, both with directors who are their legal representatives uh, and also the managers, uh, the companies that they are uh, owners of. The other thing that we're seeing, and many of you may be involved in this, uh, is not just the activist investment in the sense of talking to directors or managers, but in the space of VSG, we're obviously seeing um, that more and more of these managers and owners of assets are leveraging their pools of capital to directly improve outcomes by adopting a more assertive stance on the use of an ESG approach to investing. And then the third trend um, that I want to talk about in terms of how capitalists are trying to make capitalism better is something relatively new of, in scale, which is actually using markets themselves to overcome some of the imperfections, or at least to mitigate some of the imperfections that we've talked about. So the business leaders, and they're often in this room, are clearly now uh, empowered to lead the charge to think about how we reform the role of business to consider more explicitly the kinds of failures that capitalism uh, is accused of uh, for the last 20 so years, 20 to 30 years. So we already know that the Business Roundtable has started this process of redefining the role of, of business, thinking more about stakeholders. Importantly, Business leaders are joining together in groupings such as the Council for Inclusive Capitalism to take concrete actions to make capitalism uh, much more inclusive. And so there's some reason uh, to be hopeful that the business leaders themselves are taking on uh, this challenge. 
When capitalists themselves take an active role in fixing some of the problems of capitalism, we will see a more equitable system. Brian Moynihan echoes this sentiment and outlines the tangible ways that companies like Bank of America can take action. How do we drive capitalism ahead to solve society's concerns? So what I believe strongly here is that only these issues can be solved if the great companies represented in this room and other companies around the world are involved and in fact drive this. Capitalism is a system to solve the concerns, but it has to be done the right way. But first we have to agree what are the concerns? What is the task we've been assigned? Well, Bank of America, you know that we've launched a new ad campaign uh, that talks about how we approach our customers, our teammates, and our communities. We ask a simple question. What would you like the power to do? The world's answer to that question is summed up in what the world leaders agreed to in the global global summit in 2015 at the UN when they set forth the SDGs, or the Sustainable Development Goals. 17 areas that address the quality of opportunity, access to clean water, renewable energy, affordable housing, and other priorities, all with specific goals to be met by society. 193 countries agreed that this was a society needed. So we do have the goals that are set, and one would assume that the world would desire us to make consistent measurable progress on those goals every year. But let's deal with the fiscal reality of those goals. The SDGs are estimated to cost $6 trillion annually in investment capital. Loans, equity, in-kind contributions, charity, money in whatever form, but $6 trillion a year. Now, many in society have spoken that they believe charitable efforts can accomplish the task, but they simply cannot. Why? There just isn't enough money. So what do we have to do? We, the private sector companies, have to align our ordinary business activities, the things we do every day, to help solve these challenges. For Bank of America, that means we have to bring our $2.4 trillion balance sheet to bear to the task. We have to bring our $53 billion expenses and how we spend them to the task. We have to bring our $245 billion in equity to the task. We have to bring the trillions of dollars a year we raise for you, our clients, to the task. And we have to bring the $2.8 trillion invested assets or wealth management business to the task. That is how capitalism can solve these challenges. If all the companies align themselves to deliver on the relevant part of the SDGs and we measure their success. Capitalism has the money, the creativity, and the expertise. And it's a lot of money. We have to drive profit and we have to invest in the future. We have to do both, otherwise, simply, I won't be here. Because the next management team will be here to drive that profit. Companies have to conquer the genius of the and, as Jim Collins calls it. We have to produce great profit and deliver on our purpose. We have to produce great returns and answer the world's response to the question, what would they like the power to do? If private companies focus on delivering both through their individual business routines, operations, and practices, then we can channel the world's capital to the progress in the SDGs. Moynihan believes in the potential of private sector solutions to societal problems and in the potential for a capitalist system that works more equitably for all when driven by purpose. We will close with a final note from Roger Ferguson reflecting on the club as a forum for shaping the future of capitalism. So I'm optimistic uh, that capitalism will continue to be the way we organize ourselves uh, for many generations to come. Um, But regardless of my optimism about that, I'm 100% certain that the Economic Club of New York will be one of the places where we look to find the future of capitalism. You've been listening to The Forum by the Economic Club of New York, a nonprofit 501c3 dedicated to connecting the world's brightest minds for critical, nonpartisan conversations. Be sure to subscribe now to be alerted to future new episodes. Would you like to be a part of the conversations at the Economic Club of New York? 
Learn more about membership, the NYC and National Fellows programs, and other opportunities for engagement in the club at www.econclubny.org. I'm your host, Becky Quick. Thanks for listening.